Hello and welcome to Build Momentum, a show where we explore thought leadership and education. I'm Sarah Williamson, the founder of SWPR Group. And I'm Katie Lash, the director of the East Central Educational Service Center. Together, we explore how to leverage key partners, your constituencies, and the media to authentically impact your organizations and the leaders who champion them. We can't wait to get started, so let's dive into today's show. On today's episode of Build Momentum, we have Ben Farrell, the Assistant Head of School at New England Innovation Academy. Welcome, Ben. Thank you so much. So great to be here with both of you. All right. So as we get started, Ben, tell us in your opinion, how do teachers, how can teachers effectively use AI in the classroom? Yeah, well, that is, that's a wonderful question. And it's a bit daunting, I think, for everybody, because it, it feels like for many of us, ChatGPT and other generative AI just showed up in October. You know, I wasn't really paying attention to it. And all of a sudden it was everywhere. And then it was here. And then what do we do? And, you know, I think if I go just high level for a moment, one of the things in my career that I've always aspired to is to find innovative and thoughtful solutions to, you know, challenging problems. I think we all want to do that. And, you know, I chose when I was looking for, I was a former head of school in Beijing these last couple of years during COVID. And as I was looking to come back to the States, I found this really unique opportunity here at NIA, New England Innovation Academy. And I thought, okay, it's a new school and it's got innovation in the title. This seems like it could be a good match for what I want to do at this kind of stage of my career. And it's proven to be that. You know, it, it's this place where we have these amazing students and families, but we have our staff and our faculty, our teachers, and the whole team is dedicated to providing a type of education that we believe the world needs. And that is a way in really partnering with our students as best we can in thoughtful ways. So that when, you know, ChatGPT and generative AI just showed up, it was for the first time in my career, I had the ability to sort of sit with my upper school students and say, what should we do? What do you think we should do? And I think they were a bit taken aback by that and the candor of their conversation. And I know that's a freedom that not everybody has, and I'm really proud of that. But it was amazing to see sort of the breadth of the conversation because I think it encompasses all of the wisdom that we need. And some of them, you could see it in their faces. They're like, oh, wait, he knows about it now. Oh, no. Okay, so I need to straighten up and sit right. He knows about that. And I've been using it. And I thought no one would know. And But that was a smaller grouping, a minority. We had, if we think of like a, a bowling alley, the bumpers were, we had one of our students, a junior said that she felt this was a death of original thought. And so that was one side. And then we had another side of this idea that could we use it, but let's use it in a thoughtful way. Let's do it. I don't want to use it. We know we shouldn't use it to write a paper for us, you know, write a 800 word essay on Hamlet that doesn't sound like it came from JatGBT. They thought it was, I would love to use it in a way where it could help me generate ideas. And then I had one of my students just kind of quietly say, it can teach us to ask better questions. And I think that was the thing that really got me because that's what we all need to do now. All the information in the world is just out there waiting for us to find it and to utilize it and to teach us to ask better questions. You know, as I thought about kind of all of this in that room that day, we had a lot of, I think, the main parts of the conversation. That's really exceptional. I love that. And I love thinking about it that way because we tend to hear a lot in education about all the negative aspects of chat. Of course, of course. So I'm curious if when you were in the classroom talking with your kids, if you talked about some of the challenges and how you plan to address those in the classroom. Yeah, I think it's evolving. You know, it was interesting because another one of my students and I, we were talking about, he's somebody who's very up on technology and he kind of pulled me aside and said, hey, Ben, listen, listen, there's more coming. There's more of this coming. So you should... Whatever, and we know that 
the second we put pen to paper and put it into the handbook and everything, we're already about seven, eight months a year behind. So there was this really thoughtful approach coming from another student saying, why don't you have a modular approach that what is Neo's response to disruptive and new technologies? And I thought that was also really amazing and coming right from the student body. So we've made it clear here that you can't, it is not our expectation and nor they're not allowed to just go and have their homework paper, whatever written by that. And just like we would with anything, if a student was plagiarizing, we would take the appropriate actions, but we're not over responding to this because I think this is an inflection point for all of us and where we go with it, this is just going to be with us in the future. It's only going to, I mean, we got to GPT-4 in what felt like two weeks and that's even further along the road. So I think we have to find ways to not only live with it, but utilize it in an ethical, thoughtful way that our students can grab onto and because they're going to be using this the rest of their lives now or some version, more advanced version of this. I love reflecting. My husband and I were actually talking about how, remember, like, Ask Jeeves? Remember when yep. that was a thing? Yep. Like, and so when you very first could start, like, asking your phone questions, you could text mm-hmm. that number, however it worked, right? And then now, like, we can't even picture not having Google for anything. But I love what you said there, Ben, that, like, it challenges us. Now we have to ask better questions because right. just the Google questions are... I mean, that's been at our fingertips a long time, but yeah, that's really reflective. So tell us, what are some ways that you see project managing with AI? Yeah. Well, I think that's going to be the trick because it can lead to potentially a lot of different steps. I I don't want to say extra work, but different steps than what I certainly grew up with. You know, I'm not going to kind of give you a sense of where I kind of enter into the internet in my life. But yes, you know, I think it would be different steps for us. So I can foresee in a classroom and things like, for instance, here at NIA, one of the ways we've been utilizing it is analyzing an essay. So you ask it to ask ChatGBT or one of the generative AI platforms to write an essay and then sort of deconstruct that in the classroom and see what it looks like. So that's a fairly basic way. You know, one of the ways that I am really excited about this, and this comes from like a deeply personal spot, is somebody who had some disordered learning that really affected me in like my grammar and math, but really in grammar, I'd always wanted to write. Writing was a real passion of mine. But then as I got older, I started to feel like I couldn't do it. I wasn't good enough. And, you know, I wasn't in the place where I was getting a lot of support. And then when I went off to college and I did, I actually had quite a bit of shame and worry around that by going to the writer's center and asking for help. So always feeling a little less than. And I I can think, and I've gone on to write a book, and I can imagine as I was writing even that book in my 30s, how great it would have been to have sort of like a bit of an AI partner where I could ask questions, understand, look at it, reflect on my own writing, and then come back to it. Not have it write it for me, but sort of see where I could go. Because I did a lot of that you know, through Google and through different search engines and just trying to figure all that out. So I can see how that would be a place. And also the idea where we can, maybe this is a way, and I don't even think maybe, I think it's going to happen. This is a way where we can invite more of our students into the conversation who do have some challenges in the way sort of disordered working, learning, whatever it might be, or ways that they learn that are different, I should say. This might be a way where they can get their voices heard in a whole different kind of way. I've seen some of our students who might have some challenges in their writing, might be dyslexic, that type of thing, that this is a way they can step into the conversation. And I had this wonderful conversation in passing with our head of teaching and learning. And we both kind of came to that place at our own, at the same time on our own. And we thought, oh my goodness, this is game changing for us. So 
Anyway, you know, I think there's a lot of ways we can step into this and, and not have the skies falling, but this is how we can have more of our students get involved. Yeah, that's great. And I'm so curious, even just beyond students, how do you think some administrators can take advantage of using AI and maybe even PR firm owners? And <laughs> I might just throw that in there. Yeah. How do you think we might be able to take advantage? Yeah. I mean, I've tried it out and I've, I mean, I've used it and there was a task where I was kind of pulling in multiple different places or different thoughts from kind of multiple different documents. And what would normally have taken me, I don't know, 35, 30, 45 minutes took me about 10. And that was in that exact very mundane task. It was so shocking for me. Quickly, I got it done that I started looking around like, did I, is anybody noticing this? Did I do something wrong? But in fact, it was my own voice, but it was able to collate in a way and pull some thoughts together that was really helpful. And I think there are ways that this is going to change what we do very quickly. And I go back to what one of our students said too, is that we don't want to lose our own original thought and that actually AI might make us more human in the way that we communicate with each other. Because maybe one day it'll get there where it can totally mimic this conversation here and the emotion that we see, or when we're in person, and you know, I use my hands a lot when I'm talking. But I think we have to work on that. And this is something we'll, you know, that our in-person conversational skills and the way that we talk to each other will actually be sharpened in a really positive way, in a different way than, and something we'll have to work on in a different type of way. And that also came from one of my students too. So it was this really thoughtful conversation. Anyway, so I can imagine, but in the PR firm, there might be a lot of ways you could utilize this (laughs) that would cut down some of your time and everything else you got going on. Yeah, it's very tempting, the thought of using it to ghostwrite a bunch of articles. That'd be awesome, but probably not ethical. I'm not doing that. No one's doing that. (laughs) I did see a TikTok the other day about how the SEO, I don't really understand this part. Probably some of our like hyper technology friends that listen to this podcast would know, but the SEO can tell what is through ChatGPT. So for if you're a PR Mm. firm, then you probably don't want that because you're really banking on that. (laughs) That is not a difficult decision. And if you're caught, that's really... Not a good thing. Not a good look. But even if it's like, I mean, everybody's on the same page, like, yeah, let's use it. Let's go all the way. I think might not get the viewership that you seek to find, but I'm sure that there'll be somebody to address that too. But okay, so two parts of a question here, Ben. Hmm. One thing I think about when I had a building of my own when I was administrator, I think about how I would coach teachers through the curriculum and instruction. And like one thing that comes to mind is that like, any good assessment, in my mm. opinion, any good assessment's not cheatable anyway, right? So if you're having a kiddo go through the writing process, like using ChatGPT the whole the whole way seems like a fantastic mm. tool to like help a student go through the writing process. So instead of like saying don't use it and we're gonna try to protect you from it, let's step you all the way through it. But that came up for me. What other things do you see it actually integrating into curriculum like on purpose? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I've learned a lot from, we have a wonderful learning support coordinator here at NIA and her push and kind of push all of us into thinking about ways that we scaffold better for students and that we, you know, kind of really clearly lay things out, let them see it ahead of time, understand where they're going, understand why they're going there. Um, and kind of do this in person. If I pull back, I'm just thinking about, I look at what our kids are, have gone through in these last couple of years and some of this big chunk of 
stuff that they've missed because we were online for so long. And I can see how the scaffolding and the previewing of this for students and then also in class has been really helpful. So our learning support coordinator did a phenomenal job of helping all of us kind of come back to that. And I, to your point, I do see, Katie, that this is a way that if it's a part of the process all the way through, and that instead of saying, no, you can't do it and we hide it, and it's sort of the kids are looking over their shoulder as opposed to, no, I'm going to do this. I'm going to take a screenshot of it. You can see where there's a timestamp that we do this as part of the class. It's part of what we're doing. It could be really helpful in as we generate ideas. And that as long as the teacher, to your point, sees it all the way through, there's nothing to hide there. There's nothing to cheat on. You know, if I go back to Sarah, one of the things you were saying as well around, you can't just have a ghostwrite everything. I still think our voices are so important in this. And I've, as I've begun to learn more on all this, the idea of like collective intelligence, not artificial, not just human, collective intelligence, you can get to some really interesting and wonderful ideas there. And if we think of this as a tool to support learning, and we scaffold and preview and lay it all out for students. And that does take a lot of time and it does, but that also, for me, <laughs> it take, it's going to be different. But I think you have to be flexible. And if you're flexible with it, I think there's a lot of good that can come out of it. Yeah, it's going to be so interesting to see. Katie, go. I've got one more juicy question here. So Ooh. I referenced TikTok and we won't go down the TikTok route right now, but <laughs> along the same lines of that type of controversy, Mm. AI in the classroom can be controversial, right? We like sure. I live in a community in which I think that people probably aren't. Well, first off, I would guess that there's still like a lot of lack of awareness of even sure. ChatGPT for that matter. But furthermore, probably in an area that will be slower to adopt. And so I share that to say, how could teachers and school leaders have conversations with their communities? Because with especially those who have strong opinions that we should not be touching this stuff. Right. How can we navigate that? I appreciate that question because as I said earlier, that I know that right now I have the freedom in my school to do this. And not everyone does that. And so there's no casting any stones here. Yeah. But I think we all have to come to this in our own time. And I do think that eventually we will all get there. And you know, I, I know everyone's drawn the, the parallels to spell check and, you know, Grammarly and all this other stuff. And those have become tools that we use. And I think we just, in whatever way, in whatever school system, district, area we're in in the country and around the world, we have to come to this in the ways that make sense in that community. And I know that what I'm doing here at one of my previous schools, I wouldn't have been able to do. And that's an amazing school. And there's nothing wrong with that. This probably would have been different had I still been in China when this was coming out in different ways. So I totally understand that. I just think, and this is, hopefully I'm not trying to, I'm not passing a buck on this, but it's got to be manageable in your community. And all of us know our communities well, and we have to manage that in a way that makes sense and help. Because I think you have a really good point, Katie. I'm thinking about this all the time. Many other people might not have thought about it at all. That has to come through for the day to day. And it is scary and it is overwhelming. And this, again, doesn't, it just showed up one day and all of a sudden it was sitting in the front, like knocking on the window and being like, hey, I'm here. What do we do with it? was like, we had to figure it out. And anyway, so I think it just, it's going to take time and it will feel slow because this has already iterated multiple times since it started and you know, what felt like the fall. So it's interesting just to see how it goes throughout the country. And I respect that. Yeah. Someone should study like the adoption of ChatGPT in different parts of the country and like the pace of that. And then like that brings me to an interesting equity issue, right? Mm, if, yeah. if this tool can really just accelerate learning at such a pace that I think it has the potential to do so, then those who are slow to adopt 
are going to be, quite frankly, behind the eight ball. And that's going to be interesting to watch. Yeah. I mean, that was one of the conversations we had here was around with our senior administrative team, or senior leadership team, excuse me, was that, you know, we can't hear. I mean, again, I, I, this is casting no stones anywhere, but you can't ban this because if students are going to use it, they're going to use it. They'll get a VPN. They'll get on their phone, data, whatever. Just like if a student is going to plagiarize, they're going to make a mistake, make a challenging decision, they're, they're going to do it. So that's part of our job as educators to help them through those moments. So our, our thought was just that, Katie, was it's, it's coming. It's, well, it's not even coming. It's here now. And so we should ethically and thoughtfully work with it now because the, the students are going to be doing this. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because one of the things that I feel really strongly about and what we're going to be doing here in our little area of Marlboro, Massachusetts, where our school is about 45 minutes outside of Boston, uh, we're, you know, boarding and day school here. So a really interesting community is we're going to be working with some of the other schools in the area because we've read all read these position papers from amazing institutes and universities around the world. But I really want to know what do the students think? You know, what are people who are going to be using this their entire lives that are coming up with this? So we're going to get them, get some students together here at um, campus and have them write their own position paper. I'm really interested to see what they think because, you know, just like I thought I knew what was going to happen in the room that day, I think it's going to be a thoughtful and expansive view that maybe we're not thinking about. Um, from where I sit. So it's, I'm excited to see where it goes because it's, it's already here and they're already, you know, down the road past me. So we just got to, some of it, I just got to keep up a little bit and listen and learn. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to see that paper once it's done. That sounds like a great thought leadership piece. I'm excited about it. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I thought that was fantastic conversation. I thought it was too. That was fantastic. Oh, great. Great. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. I liked it too. Thank you for taking the time. Really appreciate it, Ben. That was awesome. Thank you. Thanks. Keep doing what you're doing. I think it's pretty impressive and inspiring. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's a great, great school we got here. Great, great space for it. So, and uh, let me know if I can do anything else. I'd love to talk. So it was really nice catching up. Well, can you tell our listeners where they can find you? Yeah, yeah. So again, my name is Ben Farrell, assistant head of school, director of the upper school here at the New England Innovation Academy. Again, we're just outside of Boston, a brand new school. This is our kind of second year in operation, 18, 19 months in. So we are building this brand new school from the ground up, international boarding and day school. And our program is built around innovation. Again, it's in, you know literally in the title. And we have some really amazing programs around it. We have a required class that they take all years from grade six to next year, we'll have our first graduating class of grade 12, Innovation Studio, which is around human-centered design, which is, you know, being entrepreneurial and thinking innovative in your thinking, but to do that with empathy and thoughtfulness for the, whatever the end result might be. And I would just add that one of the things that has drawn so many strong educators here is that we believe that this is a place where students don't have to sort of, in my world, kind of wait their turn. Like you, when you're 34 years old and you're now the product director of something, then you can go and do it. Here, we believe that if you've got a good idea, we want to help you you know, understand how to bring that, create it, bring it forward, whatever the idea is, and then go with it. So it's really exciting to see where this is going and where it might go. And you can find us just on the internet at the New England Innovation Academy. And anybody who wants to talk, we're really open to talking to everybody. (laughs) So this is exciting just to be here speaking with both of you. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Ben. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great rest of your day. You too. If you're looking for more of this thought leadership goodness for your organization, you're in the right place. 
visit us at swpr-group.com to learn more about how we work with education organizations and their leaders, superintendents, and influencers to increase your impact. Again, that's swpr-group.com. Thanks for tuning in today, and we will see you next time on Build Momentum.